Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Good afternoon and welcome to you. This is Marnie Swedberg. Thank you for joining us for Marnie's Friends. We have a great show planned for you today on becoming a woman of influence. During the next hour with our guest, Kathleen Cook, you're going to discover what influences women today, how you can cut through media clutter and distraction to be an influencer, why your unique story matters, how to cast your net, and nine strategies to help you tell your story. Our guest today, Kathleen Cook, is a businesswoman, writer, and speaker. She was a founding partner at Cook Pictures, a production company, and also the nonprofit Influence Lab. Her website is KathleenCook.com. And welcome to you, Kathleen. Hi. Hi. It's great to have you here, and I'm excited to pick your brain today about becoming a woman of influence. And nobody better to do it than you. So <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited to talk to your audience. You bet. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do before we started here is uh, just knowing your background a little bit. I know that you really feel like, um, you know, Washington, D.C. has a place of influence, but Hollywood has a place of influence, and then every woman has a place of influence. So maybe just very quickly kind of just give us a little thought on that. Sure. Yes. I think that every woman, um, wherever we are, wherever we've been placed to um, grow our family, to grow our career, um, to be the women that God's called us to be, that we um, have an influence into someone's life and have a responsibility with our lives to um, do positive things with it. Um, We have a chance to do positive things or we can do negative things. And uh, so I encourage women to think about where they are, the place that they've been put, and to um, become a positive influence in the world. There's a lot of negative in the world and we need more positive. Yeah. And I was reading um, on one of the sites about, you know, the capital of the United States being a political influence and then Hollywood being an influence that is uh, affecting our lifestyles, how we, how we actually think through different things like that. And um, we aren't going to spend a whole lot of time on that. But, you guys, if you want to learn more about that, you can check out Kathleen's. Everything's available. If you just go to KathleenCook.com, that's C-O-O-K-E, Cook.com, um, everything can be linked through there. I, lo- I love your site, by the way. So that's great. Well, why don't we go ahead well, and Start with uh, what influences women today? Well, um, we are influenced all, uh, by many things, um, Marnie. You know, uh, statistics tell us that we are influenced by 5,000 media messages a day, that we have more cell phones and we connect into our cell phones than we have, um, to- than there are toilets in India. Um, that a Maasai warrior in the deepest part of Africa who has nothing, but they do have a cell phone, will have yeah. access to more information than the president of the United States had just 15 years ago. And that when we read a, 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 new, a typical newspaper every day, that we have read more information than the typical person read 100 years ago. So those statistics kind of get our attention. And we realize that we are being influenced and bombarded with information in overwhelming, in over, uh, overwhelming amounts. Um, so what do we do? We, uh, we take all this information in and we pile our plates higher and higher with information until we can't think anymore. And um, so our responsibility then is to take some stuff off our plate. 
to maybe start turning some things off and start focusing on specific directions in our lives and specifically things that we've been called into that we have talents and gifts for. And when we do that, able to actually flourish and do something uh, that's um, wonderful, something that we can actually accomplish to change the world and to um, bring light and life into other people's lives. With all that interruption, interruptive media and clutter out there, how do you cut through that? Uh, Great question. Great question. So uh, lots of things help us cut through the clutter. Um, We, uh, we, have, I, have a, I have a few specific places that I'd love to talk about. We first start with telling our unique story. So we go back and we step back humbly and we look at ourselves and we say, where were we born? What kind of parents did we have? Or maybe did we have one parent or, or just uh, were we raised by our grandparents? Were we raised in a different country? What makes us special and unique? And we understand clearly who we are. Um, What things are we drawn to that make us different from even our brothers and our sisters? Um, Maybe even a twin. What makes me different from a twin? Um, God has instilled in us unique things, unique footprints, um, uh, unique ways of viewing the world. So from my perspective as a person in media, um, one of the jobs that we do when we consult our clients is to look at what we call um, a brand. So a brand is just how people perceive you, basically. What do people think of when they think of you? And when we can define that for ourselves, then we can start radiating and using those unique skills to cut through the clutter, to cut through um, the um, the overwhelming amounts of media that come at us and and that clutter our messages and clutter our lives. So we look at who we are, we we find that unique place, and then we begin to do uh, in the media world what I call a brand statement. Now, some of our most famous brands, um, for instance, Nike or Starbucks, have what they call a brand statement. And a statement is, just a few words about themselves that can instantly describe who you are, who they are. So most of the brand uh, brand statements are never put into the advertising, but everything that an organization does is driven by that brand statement. Nike's brand statement is the spirit of the athlete. So when when Nike advertises, they never show how long their shoelaces are or how, how their tennis shoes are made out of certain kinds of canvases and rubbers, but they show pictures of little boys on top of um, diving boards who are about ready to jump. And they say, they'll say something like, uh, reach for the spirit within you. And they are then championing and telling that story about who Nike is through this brand statement, which is the spirit of the athlete that lies within us. And that tells the story, and we immediately connect into that story. Starbucks uses a brand statement, and their brand statement is a great coffee experience. So a few years ago, based on that um, brand statement, a young executive who started to work with Starbucks decided, well, they were going to try to save Starbucks the money. And they went in, and they did a roll-by-roll, sheet-by-sheet survey of how much toilet paper was used in Starbucks restaurants on a regular basis every year. And he discovered that if they went from two-ply toilet paper to one-ply toilet paper, they could save a million dollars a year. But I'm sorry, Starbucks came in and said, no, we're not going to do that because one-ply toilet paper does not make for a great coffee experience. So everything they do has to, again, focus on that brand statement. So once we find out our unique, who we are, then we create a brand statement. What is the thing that we really uh, are about? What's those few words that represent who we really are? That breaks through. We have then a focus of where we can and become, start to become that influence. Now, once we have that, once we know who we are, then uh, sometimes we call that your niche, or, your, or in Europe they call it your niche. Once you have that niche, your niche, 
then you're able to break out. Once people know who you are, what you, once they know that brand statement, you're able to move out from uh, and move out from that. And I'll give you a great example of that. Do you know who the number one musical artist of all time is who's won more Grammys than anyone else in the world? I might don't. take a few guesses. So, you, you know, <laughs> most people might think, well, is it Beyonce? You know, Adele just won a couple real big ones. Would it be Barbara Streisand? No, none of those women have. The number one artist who's won more Grammys is the bluegrass artist, Alison Krauss. And the reason why is because she has found her niche. She knows who she is in her unique statement. All of her music is centered around her brand and who she is. Now, though, that she has these many Grammys and people know who she is, she's able to break out. So she just did an album with Robert Plant a few years ago, the rock and roll uh, guitarist. She's also doing a classic artist album. So she's break, breaking out of that niche in some way and able to, but people, the, her audience still follows her and still under, understands that her roots will always be and ever be true to her bluegrass music. And then I'd say the final thing that we can do to get that attention and to grow our influence is to care. It's simple. It's basic. It's what God calls us to do if we're a believer at all, which I am. My personal choice cannot be separated from my spiritual self. That's part of my brand statement, part of my uniqueness. And so certainly part of that. brand part of that influences the way that God calls me to care for people Um, I can't separate my church and state from my personal life I have to follow my spiritual leader and my spiritual leader God tells me that I must care for mankind I must care for my neighbor I must care for the people around me and everything I do then is influenced by that love and that care whether it would be through my finances whether it's, it's, it's shown through my time and how I spend it, what, how, I, how I do my business, I must think of others first and care for them before myself. So by doing those three things, I think we can really set ourselves apart and become women of influence. Oh, beautiful. Well, we are going to take a little break and come right back and talk about uh, why your unique story matters and how to cast your net to your unique audience. We'll be right back. ever need a guest speaker or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go check out womenspeakers.com the largest online directory of christian women speakers in the world since 2002 connecting thousands of planners with over 1300 speakers speakers are available to you from every state denomination experience level and fee range you simply search when you have time anytime day or night and connect directly with the speakers that interest you no middlemen no hidden fees it's all simple easy enjoyable and online check it out today at womenspeakers.com that's www.womenspeakers.com Welcome back. Visiting this afternoon with Kathleen Cook on the topic of becoming a woman of influence. Kathleen, uh, right before the break, you were talking about how once you have established your unique story, your brand, and your brand statement, later on you can actually break out of that. I was thinking about Ronald Reagan, who was, you know, popular for so many years as an actor and then became a president. Um, where did you actually start, and where have you broken out? <laughs> Great questions. Um, well, believe it or not, when I was a child, I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. In, uh, when uh, Las Vegas was just a little small community, um, it would actually triple and quadruple on the weekends as people would come in for the weekends and then become a small community. My father was recruited in 1949 to be the first basketball coach for Las Vegas High School, and they built the first high school there. So I've been around a while. When I graduated high school, there were five high schools in Las Vegas. Now there are 52. So uh, a little bit of change of community. But growing up (laughs) in Las Vegas was a unique place. It it affected me in in a unique way in in that um, I had this inward passion um, that I didn't even recognize as a child. My mother would 
had uh, supplied me with an outdoor trash can and she had gone to thrift stores and things that she had been done clothing that she'd been finished with and she'd pile in um, costumes for me uh, things that I could dress up in and I would become different characters I would create my own plays and spend hours in the back backyard just pulling out one um, piece of clothing uh, from these big trash can and, and becoming another uh, character and um, but I never realized that that could actually be something that you did for a living. Um, you know, <laughs> we just I, I saw the strip and Vegas at the time didn't have um, was not known to go. You, people didn't come to Vegas to go to a um, a musical event at the time unless it was out on the strip. You didn't see a symphony there. You didn't go to the ballet. There was no fine arts there, really. That's not what Vegas was about. And so I never realized I could actually go in that direction. And um, till I got married and my husband um, and I decided to, um, uh, for me to stay home and take care of our children. And, and I got bored and he said, well, go do something you've always wanted to do. And so I started taking theatrical acting classes and realized this is, this is where I should have been all of my life. I had just never really been given the idea mm. or the um, the ability to be able to do something I've always wanted to do. And um, so I was very fortunate in having um, a husband who uh, supported me and uh, realized that there was something else God had actually uh, was calling me into. So that that was an interesting place growing up in Vegas and, and having that community around me. Um, and I had to kind of work through that process. Um, but everybody has their story and that's part of, again, who I am and what made me has made me unique and special is coming from that unique place of growing up and, uh, and that, that unique story. Hmm. Yeah. And, and everybody has their own story and we're all so different from each other. Even like you said earlier, even if you have a twin, you are unique. There's only one person like you. Um, so how do you, uh, identify then your audience, like, uh, your audience, let's say that you're an actress, they come to you to watch you perform. Um, in a broader sense, uh, how do you how do you how do you attract really your unique audience? Oh, good question, Marnie. Um, I think you attract them by again identifying that original brand of who you are. Um, people are attracted to people who. Um, are like them. You know, we all want around people who are like them. And we all, and we also want to be run around, be around people who are interesting, who are um, leaders, who are able to express themselves and are secure in who they are. And so when we develop those leadership skills within us, we develop the ability to lead and to be, be the ability to stand on who we are and the direction and the gifts and talents that God's given us. Then I think, we can attract an audience. Um, we're also called to um, be responsible for those gifts and talents. Um, we are God. God gives us those those special t- gifts and talents, but it's up to us to develop them, to be able to um, educate ourselves. Um, there are fundamentals in each of the arts. There are fundamentals in in business um, uh, avenues that we must accomplish, that we must understand. And from there we can grow into how we use our own uh, viewpoints, our own um, individuality to be able to tackle um, the direction that we're wanting to go, um, our visions and our dreams. And, uh, and so I believe that one of the best ways that we can, we can hone who we are and draw an audience is to be uh, is to have an understanding of who we are to develop those gifts and talents and then look for places that we can actually use them. Hmm. Yeah, I really like the I really like the point to start with learning the fundamentals because I think so much of the time when somebody has a unique perspective on something we think um, I don't need to learn the fundamentals because I have this unique approach to it, but. Well, just maybe speak to that for a moment. Why would you still recommend uh, learning the fundamentals before you launched out? Well, let me let me parallel the entertainment business maybe with a sporting business. 
Um, I have a lot of actors that come to me in Hollywood, young actors, young performers, writers, producers, directors, and they go to college and they've, they've gone to four years and they've learned quite a bit and they have a great understanding of it. And they come to Hollywood and all of a sudden they're the little fish in, in the ocean again. And, but at the same time, they think, oh, I've learned everything I need to know. I don't need to know any, any, anymore. And, um, and that's going to cut you off. That's going to cut the feet out from underneath you when you have that kind of attitude. Um, in, a, in sports, we have little league. We have um, uh, children's uh, recreational programs that we grow up into. And then that moves into maybe being on a junior high team, whatever sport we're involved in, and then possibly into high school and college. And with each of those levels, we're learning different skills. We're growing in our abilities. But uh, that may allow us eventually to hit the big time, the NBA um, or the National Football League or one of the, thing, one of the big sporting uh, areas that we want to move into. The problem is that our hearts sometimes tell us that we can go play basketball with um, Kobe Bryant or we can go you know, play uh, football with um, – um, you know, one of the great Joe Namaths or one of the great uh, football stars of all time, just because, well, we know we, we sit in our chairs on Saturday afternoons or Sunday after evenings and we watch our, our games on television and we think, oh, we know all those kind of things. Well, we, we can't. We cannot play in the big leagues until we've learned those fundamentals. Um, we cannot sit at a piano and play a concerto unless we started out playing the scales and, and learned how to play those basics. So in everything we do, whether it be business or entertainment or whatever, there are fundamentals that we have to learn. And from there, we're able to um, branch out. Again, going back to the Alison Krauss story, she learned bluegrass music. She learned how to be the best she could be in her niche and in the music genre that she was um, was passionate about and from there now she's doing rock and roll albums she's doing classic albums because she has those fundamentals of music and she can she knows where those boundaries are and how to use that music um, properly I have a daughter in the music business and um, and I thought it was really interesting when she was in in college she'd kind of gone through junior high and high school liking you know really hardcore punk music which was was a challenge for mom to listen to at times and um, and then all of a sudden in college, she picked up a banjo and she went back to the original way of playing the banjo called the claw hammer. She wanted to go back to the original fundamental things. So she calls me up one day when she's in college playing. I said, oh, what are you doing this weekend? She goes, well, I'm actually playing with a band this weekend. And I said, well, what are you doing? And she said, well, it's a punk punk rock band but I'm playing my banjo and I thought how interesting and how <laughs> great that she's able to take all the fundamentals she knew what punk was all about she knew her passion was in the banjo and in what she was doing but she knew how to use those two opposite uh ends of the spectrum in music to be able to make a really unique sound and something unusual. And that's how you draw an audience as well. You know, you, you're putting together something that they go, wow, I never thought of it that way. I never thought you could do it that way. But it was only because she knew both of those genres of music well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking even in sporting or in, uh, I'm sure, acting or in music or whatever, writing, anything you do, speaking, uh, if you just learn the fundamentals and don't keep on learning, don't keep on, um, you know, staying with pace with what's happening in, in your culture and different things like that, you really miss out on that, too. Yeah, it's a good point, Marnie. You know, I've spent many um uh, trips uh, over the last few years uh, speaking and teaching in India and uh, in some of the Asian countries as well, uh, you know, teaching theatrical acting classes specifically. And it's interesting in those two particular parts of the world because they study the fundamentals. I mean, they are, um, you know, we have the right brain, left brain side, and they are they are really into those fundamentals and understanding you know, exactly the mathematical proportions and, and, you know, all of those kind of really 
honed, honed in things. But when it comes to then taking that and creating something about that and stepping away from those fundamentals and actually understanding how those fundamentals fit into our creative processes, it's really difficult for them. So I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time as a theatrical actor working on them on how not to become a character, but, or rather to act a character, but to become a character. So, we, so, uh, so when I'm teaching them how to be a policeman or a school teacher or a nurse, we go through, well, what does a nurse you know, do? What are the fundamentals? What are the things that are the traditional things that we would know about that would be involved creating a character of a policeman or a nurse or a lawyer? And then we throw it all out and we say, how now can we become that character? Well, that nurse or that policeman or that teacher, whatever character we're developing, is a real person. They go home, they eat food, they go to sleep, they have issues in their family, they have things that affect their lives. Um, They were raised a certain way. They um, have made different choices throughout their lives that is going to affect them in their job, in the work that they're doing in portraying that lawyer, that actor, that teacher, or that uh, policeman or that teacher. So um, then we have to, you know, work backwards, and it's called working from the inside out. In a lot of the Indian cultures and a lot of the Asian countries, they try to work from an acting point of view from the outside, those, those fundamental features, and then try to figure out how to be creative with them, which is why when you watch um, a lot of Indian films, um, and they're called Bollywood there, there we have Hollywood, of course, in America, mm-hmm. and they've played on that name called Bollywood, um, they um, are usually acting the parts in those films rather than becoming those characters. And so we work in that direction. So, you know, it's a really, it's, it's one of those, those things, again, where we go from fundamentals to creativity. Hmm. That's great. We're going to come right back after break and talk about nine strategies to help you tell your story. We'll be right back. across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie Sudman. We're doing a program today called Becoming a Woman of Excellence. Our guest is Kathleen Cook. You can learn more about her at her website, KathleenCook.com, and that's Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-K-E, and of course you can connect with her via her favorite social medias or your favorite social medias, for that matter, over there. Uh, Kathleen, bringing you back in here, um, you one of the things you do is you work with Influence Lab. Uh, what is that? So Influence Lab is a nonprofit organization uh, that my husband and I, Phil Cook, um, have uh, co-founded together. We have a passion for those who work in specifically faith-based places, um, Christian marketplaces, and we want to teach them how to use media more effectively. That's one arm of it. Um, We see that in a lot of faith-based organizations and with church, large churches that they are not using media very effectively. And um, consequently, uh, the reputation of what we would call Christian television or Christian media is substandard. Sub, uh, we believe that we create, that God introduced himself in the first uh, uh, scripture of the Bible, in, uh, in the beginning God created and that when he introduced himself as a great creator, that he has given us the ability to create, and we can do better within media and in using that to reach people. So um, well, I apologize, listeners, that um, (laughs) we've just had our guest drop here. She'll be back, I'm sure, in a few moments. But um, just just to let you know that she is – also, besides the Influence Lab, she is also the founder of Influence Women, 
and she writes and edits for that monthly too. And again, her website is KathleenCook.com. Oh wait, she'll just be right back, I'm sure. Every once in a while, the system just drops a caller, and I know for those of you who call in, sometimes it drops you, and I'm I really apologize for that. I'm grateful that you're here, and uh, sometimes we watch on some days we see a lot of things uh, popping in and out on the on the dashboard and apologize that it's the way it is, but they usually do a a really great job here at Blog Talk Radio. So for Kathleen, though, I just wanted to let you know, too, that that she is the founder of Influence Women. She's also one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com. So you can check with uh, check all that out, too. And sorry about that, Kathleen. I know this is Sorry, we got interrupted. <laughs> yes, we got <laughs> no dropped problem. there for a minute. <laughs> sorry yeah, it happened. No problem. That's okay. Um, That's okay. So, so yeah, uh, as I was saying, so uh, Influence Lab then was created for uh, helping men and women use media more effectively. And then the second part of Influence Lab then is to um, kind of be a think tank um, to create thought leaders. So I have a group called Influence Lab, and you can uh, sign up for my news, monthly newsletter at influencelab.com slash women. And um, this is to help uh, give um, women the ability to think, to uh, use our gifts and talents, our tools that we have in media as a writer, a director, a producer, an actor, and be able to use those tools to create projects that will affect our culture and our world. And to think about all of the information that comes at us and to um, become thought leaders. Um, that can affect culture and our world using media. Love it, love it. Well, this next section we're going to go into now is for everybody who's listening, whether you're in media or not, because uh, Kathleen's going to take us through um, nine uh, strategies to help us tell our stories better. And maybe let's just start with the first one here. And you say the key is in the words. So it's kind of obvious. So I'm sure you have, you know, so it matters a lot telling our story, what words we use. But what were you thinking about when you wrote that one down as being the number one strategy? Um, well, certainly words today are misinterpreted. Um, so we have to understand practically um, when we say and um, use different words, how they're being received by the audience. We have to speak the language of our audience and our culture today. That's probably the most important thing. If I said to you, I did not have sex with that woman, we immediately think of our past president, Clinton, who used those words and all of us rolled our eyes because what he perceived as having sex with that woman was not what we would perceive as having sex. And so – just that word it, itself became a huge, uh, uh, a huge uh, defining um, point of his defense of what he had been doing. If I say what love means to me uh, is different than love means to you, uh, what I hate, um, I hate um, apple pie with cheese on top is not the same as saying I hate the way children are killed in this world um, innocently. Um, so those, you know, the, the definition of certain words and instances has to be defined, and we have to be able to speak the language of the culture, and the culture and language of the culture is constantly changing. So the first thing mm-hmm. I think we have to understand is, is practically how we're using our words and understanding them. You know, when when I work with writers, authors, and speakers, especially for an author, you know, we always encourage an author to have a specific audience in mind. Like, who are you writing for? Uh, Just talking to Liz Curtis Higgs the other day, and she's like, well, I have – actually, I have a board in front of me, and I have pictures of women on this board, and that's who I'm writing to. I'm curious, Kathleen, when you're working in the uh, media industry – do actors and actresses, are, when you're given a role, are you told who your target audience is, who you're actually speaking to? Um, absolutely. At least you should be. Um, um, if you're going to be effective in your work, you need to know who your audience is. Absolutely. Before I step on a platform, before I write an article, before I um, – do any kind of uh, media work at all. I have to understand who my audience is. I know even with my Twitter, you know, one of the things about your social media handles is you really don't know anymore who's tapping into them. And it's kind of interesting sometimes 
when I get responses from various audience people that I think, wow, that guy was listening to me. I would have never thought he would have been interested in what I was speaking about. But you do have those instances. But yes, the first thing I is find out who it is I'm speaking to. Am I speaking to, you know, a bunch of women who are just moms at home? Am I speaking to women who are in uh, certain types of careers? Um, am I speaking to a mixed audience of men and women who are interested in media? Or are they interested in fundraising? Are they interested in um, philanthropic work? What what specific things are they interested in? Because I um, shape my presentations toward that. Um, I think that's part of what we need to be doing with the information and the knowledge that we have within us that we're wanting to present is knowing that audience is the most important thing. Yeah, and the key in the words, you know, uh, there there are some words that mean one thing to a mom at home, mean totally different thing to uh, a guy in you know who's in a construction job. I mean, you have these exactly. you have these meanings, and and if you are aware of who you're talking to specifically, and again, it goes kind of back to branding too. It's not that that's the only thing you can ever do. It's not that that's the only person who can ever read your words or or watch you. But it is it is your primary audience, and that's really who you have to talk to. You talk about too the most important piece being um, being vulnerable. Um, speak to that. Sure. Um, I think um, in our culture, in our world today, that vulnerability has become a real buzzword. But what does that really mean? It means that we have to be able to understand that we fail, that we mess up on things, that we, um, we do things from time to time that aren't perfect. And it's those vulnerable points, though, that allow people to relate to us, that allow people to see that we um, aren't perfect and that we have cracks in us, and that that is where, but, but it's through those cracks, it's through those failures that we are able to speak out of, that we're able to learn from, and that we're able to convey those experiences to them, that they might be able to learn from those experiences, they might be able to understand this. Um, and so being vulnerable and approachable today in real is one of the key, mo- most key um, things I think that anyone who wants to gain an audience and to become an influence must attain. You have to be able to let those, those um, little um, inconsistencies and flaws be seen. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's probably more of just making a decision not to purposely hide them uh, because they they are going to be seen, <laughs> you know, whether we want them to or not. At some point, they will be seen. And people, people, either you either you own up to it, otherwise you're just really a hypocrite. And that's the only thing that you could call it is is just someone who's not willing to own up to the fact that they are human as well. Correct. Yes. And and nobody wants to be to. I mean, we're, we've just been through. Um, you know, a culture in the past uh, for many years that I grew up in where everything had to be um, dressed up and perfect and beautiful. And of course, Hollywood tries to convey that in much of what they are and who they are. And it's, it's, it's tough. It's hard to live up to that. And you find many stars who over the course of time um, start breaking down because they just can't maintain that perfectionism. Um, we just can't do it. Right. Right, you do have to just be a person. So uh, moving on to number three, though, how do you set yourself apart? Well, um, we talked about that a little bit earlier. It's about having that unique story, about having your your, your unique vision. And um, I think of the story uh, of a great man that I um, admire, and that is Walt Disney. You know, he built an empire out here, and it continues to flourish. And Walt had uh, an ability to uh, find his niche. He was doing animation when nobody was doing animation. He um, pioneered um, children's stories um, on screens for us in films. And uh, he had great visions then. And he went on and pioneered then theme parks on top of that. And I love the story of um, the opening day of Walt Disney World. Many people don't remember that Walt had started Disneyland. And when he had just finished Disneyland, before they were even 
finished with Disneyland, he was off going on to his next big theme park he wanted developed in Orlando, Florida, Disney World. But before that was completed, Walt um, had cancer and died, and he never saw Disney World completed. So they invited his widow to come for the opening ceremonies of Disney World. And they were watching the parades and all of the wonderful fireworks going off. And a young executive leaned into her and said, it's such a shame that Walt, Walt couldn't be here to see this. And without missing a beat, she turned to him and said, oh, you don't understand. Walt saw, saw it, and that's why it's here. And that's yeah. where we need to be if our, with our own unique story is knowing who we are, our gifts and talents, and then seeing that vision that God's given us and knowing that that is the direction we need to go and be and stand in it and move toward it. We see it, and that's why it's here. Mm. It's such a great definition of faith, too, just to see it before it exists in the, you know, in the tangible world. It already exists in our hearts and our, in our mind's yeah. eye. So, you know, you talk about number four is what you must have in place here. And I love this one in your story you just shared, you know, shows how important it really is. But number four is um, to surround yourself with trusted and influential people, your network. Where have you seen this most? valuable in your own life? Oh, another great question. Well, um, first of all, you know, I've been blessed to have a wonderful husband who has uh, surrounded me, myself, has mentored me in business and his creativeness. Um, but I certainly work in an industry that has incredible professionals uh, in them. And so I learn every day from them. Um, I learned from um, the faith network of people around me who have encouraged me and prayed for me and influenced my life. And it's important to choose those people around us. It's the people around us that will affect our lives most significantly. But we have a choice on who we want to choose to be around us. Every day we make those choices um, with the, the way we choose our time and where we're going to spend that time and with who we're going to spend our time with. And so being particular about surrounding ourselves with the, night, with the right networking of uh, people is, is either going to cause our, our lives to flourish or it's going to cause our lives to be stagnant and possibly even stumble depending on, on those choices. Certainly we've all learned that growing up and choosing the friends that we chose in school. Some of those that we chose in school were really good for us to be around, and some of us, they weren't so good, and they influenced us and got us into a lot of trouble sometimes. And we had to learn at, at, through school and through growing up and maturing um, how to pick our friends and how to pick those people around us that want to take us to where we want to go to our next level. When you think of networking, uh, some people think of, you know, Facebook. Some people think of going to a face-to-face -face networking event. Um, and networking is really so much bigger than that. It's uh, how how do you define it? Oh, networking is so much bigger than that. Networking is understanding that every person that we meet affects us in some way. Um, but networking is really about how can you help them. Um, we, when you go to a networking event, we come in and we think, oh, I, you know, I want people to know about me. It's all about me and about my job. And everybody that shows up is thinking the same way. So if everybody's thinking the same way, then there's never going to be an interest in each other. It's the person that says, I'm going to put my agenda aside. I'm going to put who I am aside and focus on the people in the room and what they're all about. It was interesting. I was, um, with uh, John Maxwell, a wonderful uh, inspirational leader who's written some incredible leadership books and, and a giant in our industry of leadership. And I remember driving in a car with him one day, and he just drilled me for the first time I ever was, spoke with him. He wanted to know everything about who I was and where I worked and how I was 
where I grew up and what made me tick and on and on and on and on. He wants, whenever you're with John Maxwell, he wants to find out who you are. He wants to learn from you. And I, and that made such a huge impression on me in understanding that that's what life's all about. It isn't about ourselves. It's about other people. And once people bring you in and you care about them, then they're going to care about you. And that's the secret of net, networking. Uh, that's so beautiful. I love your example, too. And John Maxwell is such a, a hero of mine. Um, he's, he has, I think, I, I was just looking at it a couple weeks ago for an interview I was doing, and I think it's 459 uh, books in print, um, different titles. <laughs> yes, so, I know. It's incredible. So incredible. All over the world and uh, just such a heart for people, a heart for God. Love, love that man and what he, what he has done, what he teaches us by just how he approaches life. Uh, so yes, I, I love that. A friend of mine. Old, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to inter- – sorry, I was just interrupting. That was rude. But <laughs> I, just, uh, I just was uh, relating with you so well. Um, you know, one book that was written years ago that people forget about is a Dale Carnegie book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Right. It's an old, old book. Sometimes you may have to find it in a used bookstore, but it's got the basics in there of exactly what we're talking about, about paying attention, about influencing people and how to win friends. And when we win them and influence them and and care about them, they start caring about us. And when you leave the presence of someone who has honestly been interested in you and what you have to say, there's just this um, aura <laughs> that I just leave you with that it just it makes it, it you they are so endeared to your heart. Like you just mentioned, John Maxwell, not because of what he said to you on the trip, but because of what he was doing with you when you were together. He was truly interested yeah. in who you were. Yeah. Yeah. And such a such a great man. You would think too. Certainly have learned it all by now. But uh, that kind of leads us into our next one. Number five is the one you think you can't afford to stop doing. Yes. Yes. We can't ever stop learning. We can't ever stop attending conferences and events and learning about skills. You know, when I was a young actress, I was fortunate to work with one of the greats of all time, Uta Hagen. She's considered one of the, you know, the great actresses of all time. And um, I asked her because I had a daughter as well that was coming up through the industry. She had been bitten by the acting bug as a young child. And I said, you know, Uta, how do I continue to influence her and grow her skills? And she, she said, that's a great question. And she thought for a moment, she said, you know, more than anything else, I would say this to anyone, to any actress even now or to a child, to a parent who's even developing or wanting to develop, allow their daughter to develop. Um, is to take them and let them experience life, experience everything. Take them to an opera. Take them to a mortuary and see how someone, you know, is embalmed, (laughs) maybe even when they're older. But uh, just weird things. Just, you know, get, you know, have them watch a worm, you know, crawl across a leaf. Uh, Take them into nature. Take them on hikes. Go take them, travel with them. uh, Read them stories and, and just bring all of life to them because it's out of our lives and out of learning and growing that we become interesting people, that we become, we we are able to then take all of those practical things, those life experiences and use them into the gaps, the talents and skills that God has given us and grow them. Love that. Such good advice. And so true. And I I think when I see sunsets, I always say, thank you, Jesus, for that one, just for me tonight. And all of this stuff that's around us that we take for granted, and it's kind of an insult to the to the creator who made it here for us. I mean, it is here for us to enjoy and uh, to take the time to actually do that and to keep learning and growing. Number six is how to get comfortable with change. And that's kind of interesting because this is this segment is about how to tell your story. And number six is getting comfortable with change. So how does that tie in? Well, change is something that's always, you know, uh, either you love it or you hate it. I mean, it affects because it's, it's, but it's never stopping. Change, you know, is happening constantly. And certainly we know with our technological devices that we all have and our uh, multiple platforms of social media and the way we're being bombarded with media, that it is changing our world 
exponentially. I mean, at the you know speed of light, we are we are changing, and so we have to understand how change is affecting us and how it will affect us, and be able to um, either embrace it or put up walls against us, uh, up against it. Um, we have to understand what the basics are, what our basic morals are, what our basic uh, uh, platforms are and our positions are. Um, Certainly, um, I come from a biblical point of view, as I said, and I know that the promises and the um, words of the Bible are unchangeable, but how I use those to reach other people, how I take uh, the word of God and convey it to other people is changing constantly. I might, uh, you know, the, the, the um, statistics tell us that Facebook, for instance, um, by population is the, uh, the largest country in the world. And yet, who are the people that are planting churches on Facebook? Who are the people who are planting seeds of influence, um, who are uh, planning ideas um, that can be positive and change the world. Where are those people? If that's where the population is, we've now changed. We've changed from geographical locations in reaching people to digital locations in reaching people. So that in 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 a huge is a huge example of one place where our world has changed, and we have to be there to change with it. You know, I think of the story of um, Peter, who was originally, you know, speaking to Jews only. And when God, you know, called him to also speak to Gentiles, um, that was a huge that was a huge shift for him. It didn't come easily. Exactly. Yep. New audiences again. That's <laughs> right. And same same message, but uh, being willing to even lay down things that you thought you would never, never. <laughs> I remember there's a there's a couple that I know a good friends with, and they were so opposed, really strongly opposed to uh, the more modern worship music. Really, really struggled with it, and could not see how it could be used of God. And then one of their sons um, kind of went off and you know left the church and left left Christ and went off and did his own way. And it was Christian music that brought him back. And and he got involved in Christian music. Well, you know what? They became one of the biggest supporters of Christian music, uh, worship music after that time of the modern worship movement. And, you know, you just see, you know, things that you would say, I would never, I would never be able to support that. I would never be able to see how God would have me involved in that at all. It's amazing what God can do and to just keep an open heart and an open, you know, mind to what God would have you to do. There's a, you have number seven, number seven is the inevitable surprise and how to master it. What is that? Well, um, that's usually, you know, it's failure. You know, we have a failure is going to be inevitable. Don't matter what we do and what we attempt somewhere along the line, we're going to fail at it, but it's what we do with our failure um, that matters, whether or not we allow it to defeat us or whether or not we're able to define it, uh, for it to define us in that it changes our story. And, you know, there's time after time you hear stories of people who have made thousands of dollars and then lost it. And then they come back and God's taught them something and then they move, you know, have been able to move through it. And then you see people who have lost those thousands of dollars and never been able to recover from it. Um, Again, it's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of understanding that we are all going to fail in some way, shape or form at some time, but it's how we, um, it's the attitude that we use and how we use it to move our lives forward um, and, and not get angry and bitter about it. Bitterness is going to kill us. And it's so easy when we fail to blame it on others, um, to become bitter about the circumstances that may have, have um, happened to allow that failure to occur. Um, so our responsibility, um, I believe, is to recognize that it's okay to fail, but it's not okay for failure to defeat us. Hmm, absolutely. We're getting to the end of the hour here. I want to get those to these last two. So number eight sure. is what do we need to have what do we need to have ready before we begin telling our story? Well it's it's our story. And so often I find that people have never thought about 
putting their story down on paper. And I tell you, it's the most important thing you can do. Don't just think about what your story is, but write it out. And then begin to, what I call hone it down, be able to edit it. Because you want to get it down to an elevator pitch. If you want to be a woman or a man of influence, you need to be able to tell your story in what we call, you know, five, uh, five floors of an elevator from the top to the bottom. If you met Steven Spielberg in, in an elevator, if you met, met um, um, you know, your most important um, person you'd ever want to meet in your life in an elevator, would you be able to tell your story right away? And certainly, again, from my uh, point of view in what I do in our business, we call that an elevator pitch, an elevator, uh, you know, ride down that, that you can tell that unique story um, quickly and uh, clearly and uh, that people will be able to understand and get an idea real quickly of who you are, what you're all about, what you're passionate about. And I might say a, 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 for a moment, too, about your passion. So often we talk about having this passion for a specific place that we want to be or a specific career. And, um, and a lot of young people have a difficult time defining what that passion is within them. And I would say to them that possibly having your passion within you is, um, could be defined by what you hate. Um, God doesn't call us necessarily to go after our passion, but, but he calls us to go after something that we hate because the thing that we hate may be the thing God's called us to fix. And so by understanding what we hate, it allows us to understand how we can go about fixing that. Um, I look at young writers who say, gosh, I hate the way, you know, um, uh, movies are portrayed, romantic movies are portrayed on screen, and I'm a writer. So I say, that, say to them, well, maybe God's called you to fix romantic stories on the movie screen. That's your, if mm-hmm. that's what you hate, then, then start, you know, uh, honing in on that. So your elevator pitch, again, goes back to being, being able to define who you are and um, tell that story very quickly. That's awesome. I've never heard that. I've never heard of that way to come about to, to find your passion if you can't find it by what drives you, what you love, look at what you hate. I love that. And the ninth one is the most valuable thing you can offer is to solve problems. That is so true. Uh, how how do you yes. do that? You know, Kathleen, you'll probably have like 70 seconds here. So. <laughs> okay, I'll, say, I'll see if I can say it real quick. I'll do my elevator pitch. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. So, so, <laughs> Solving problems is all about basically this. My housekeeper comes over every week and cleans my house, and I pay her a certain amount of money. And my lawyer, I pay him a larger amount of because he solves bigger problems. My housekeeper solves the problem of cleaning my house, and I pay her a smaller amount of money. But my lawyer is solving bigger problems for me, and I'm paying him bigger amounts of money. If we want to move forward in our career and in our lives, we have to learn to solve bigger and bigger problems. We start at the bottom with fundamentals, as we said before. We work through our unique stories, and we use our gifts and talents to tell those unique stories, and we solve problems for people. We don't um, approach life from a, um, an ability to know it all, but to solve problems and to be there to care for people. When we care for people, we solve their problems. Hmm beautifully put. Wow. That's great. And, you know, it seems like everybody you meet has a problem and you maybe aren't the person to solve every problem they have, but you maybe know the person. And as we are going through life, if we will continue to allow God to use body life, and that's what I just call it, everything he does through me, I'm sure Kathleen, you've seen this too. Everything that he does through us, he does through body life. So he pours one part of it through Kathleen and one part of it through me and one part of it through you and uh, the people around us. And that's where, you know, the network comes in again, uh, where, where we need each other. And, and Kathleen, you just have been a wonderful example of that, both by your life, but also by the organizations you're involved with and that you've started even. Um, you guys want to go check that out over at her website, KathleenCook.com. C-O-O-K-E, KathleenCook.com. Kathleen, thank you for being here. What a great what a great time we've had. Thanks so much, Marnie. I've enjoyed every minute of it. And, um, and I would say as a final note, um, don't be an influence. 
go rock the world and change it for uh, God's glory and God's good. Love it, love it, love it. And thank you all for being here. Can't have a show without listeners, and I appreciate you. And for those of you who host us on your stations and on your websites, thank you to, for that. Also, uh, be sure to stop over at money.com and visit me. And, again, Kathleen's website is Kathleen Cook. C-O-O-K-E dot com. Thank you for being here. I hope you have a wonderful rest today, and we'll see you next time. I'm Marnie's friend. Bye-bye.